0: Hi, everybody. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. It is late afternoon on a beautiful Tuesday, March twenty eighth, two 2023. Um, and I just left one of the most incredible places, I've been there before very impressive, the Shaftan reclamation plant where pretty much if you flush the toilet in Tel Aviv it ends up here, but they recycle the water and they res- they make fertilizer out of the sludge and it goes to the agriculture and then again, it's amazing I'm sorry about the background noise, I'm on a bus right now with an extraordinary group here for a conference that was organized by the JCPA and even though the conditions aren't Perfect. I didn't want to miss the opportunity Especially in the news cycle That we have this week To put out something positive And good for humanity And just making you feel like all is not dark in the world So I'm here with Dan Dyker Very old friend and distant cousin as it turns out I don't know if I needed a kidney if I'd go to him But it doesn't really matter You could always come to me Anyhow, Dan, tell us about the JCPA And what's been going on here in the last couple of days
1: Well, you know, you've, uh, we actually Just invited the historic moment. Uh, Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, which I have the, the honor of uh, leading these days, uh, beginning four months ago, together with my partner, uh, Dr. Yerchiel Leiter, they decided that uh, it was time for rejuvenation in the Middle East. <laughs> so what we did uh, w- was to invite five Arab countries, the four Abraham Accord members, um, the United Arab Emirates, Morocco, Bahrain, and Sudan, and representatives from leading policy institutes from all of those four countries agreed to come to Jerusalem to be our guests, uh, and together with none other than Saudi Arabia, a representative um, very close to um, Mohammed bin Salman, uh, Saudi prince and the uh, 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 next leader of Saudi Arabia, uh, had uh, sanctioned his uh, visit. And so we have five uh, prime Arab countries here, represented and we also have more than 20 African countries so while uh, the State of Israel is in a little bit of turmoil the the best the best news is that at the cassia Hotel there we were 20 to, between 20 and 25 African countries five Arab countries discussing deliberating uh, and uh, strategizing together on the issues of national security uh... and concern shared by all three by israel by our arab partners as well as our african our new african friends partners and colleagues and when we talk about uh... national security we mean it in the broadest sense of the word food security water security water desalinization uh... agricultural security uh... this these are really important uh, aspects of the broadest sense of national security beyond the classic sense of uh, counterterrorism, counter radicalism uh, and radicalization of uh, these societies and and it, we were really surprised how quickly and positively everyone responded, and nobody canceled. That was incredible. With everything going on in Israel, Israel uh, really experiencing a, a, a domestic earthquake um, over the judicial reform issue, he, everyone showed up in Jerusalem. We were helped by the National Security Council to secure visas because we have, we have representatives of policy institutes from, th- from countries such as Somalia. Which don't
0: them. have official uh, negotiations
1: yeah, yeah. with Israel. Absolutely, and then there were the, these were hornet's nests of terrorism. We have uh, Sudan was, uh, you know, as you and I remember, Sudan was the the host of the Arab League in 1967. The famous three nos: no to recognition of Israel, no to peace, and no to negotiations. Well, today we have the we have the four yeses. Uh, we have yes to peace, yes to negotiations. Uh, yes to recognition and the fourth yes the most important yes coming from our Sudanese friends is yes to normalization and that is the key to all of our 25 guests is normalization or they say in Arabic which really means ground up peacemaking bottom up peacemaking Uh, and and so uh, what we have here is even more than ground up because the ground the bottom up peacemaking in this case is actually reaching many of the governments um, which uh, these think tanks are are uh, very tied to. Mm -hmm.
0: So, first of all, thank you so much for asking me to guide today and tomorrow. It's really been an absolute pleasure and an honor, and I've been able to have some one-on-one conversations with some of the participants who are all lovely, absolutely lovely. So, one, the person from Ethiopia was telling me the tremendous affection that Ethiopia has for Israel, how they feel so tied to this country, very pro-Israel. You know, the most of the news that we hear is from the West, filtered through the West, and filtered through the media of the West. Israel has a lot of friends out there. And I think what you've done here, despite or because of some of the difficulties, is, is huge. And I mean, was talking to somebody from Nigeria. I didn't realize they had 200 million people 215. in Nigeria. 215 million people in Nigeria. And all of them have said to me, they have the resources. They have water. They have land. They have people. They don't have the technology and the know-how and the inventiveness that the Israelis have. They've come here to learn. They are most of them. It's their first time here. They're bowled away by this country.
1: Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And uh, first of all, uh, let me just say to all of our friends and family listeners out there, it's really an honor to have Eve Harrow uh, leading us uh, and creating. She creates a lot of context, great passion, lots of knowledge. Uh, for the land of Israel So I would uh, advise anyone Who wants a, a good guide Now, I That was the
0: commercial break Thank that, you Dan
1: That was the commercial break And Eve, we, we gave Eve a discount On how much she had to pay us <laughs> To say that But in all truth It really is an honor And, and I want uh, to just To uh, punctuate What you've just said now About the West uh, it, my, my dear friend Carolyn, Grick, one of, Carolyn Glick One of the great analysts uh, In Israeli uh, foreign policy And diplomacy has, has said for some time You know the East and the West Have switched sides and and in fact it's it's really true we see here we have our our african friends uh, to to the east and the south and we have our our arab friends uh, to our north and our northeast uh and uh, in fact uh we in jerusalem we have witnessed in the last 48 hours of being with these uh, wonderful men and women that jerusalem in their in their mind's eye is is the center of the world jerusalem as the jerusalem center for public affairs logo shows if you go on to google and look at the jcpa.org and look at the the bunting logo which was a, a logo that was developed a wood carving by heinrich bunting in 1581 five more than 500 years ago um theologian bunting envisioned jerusalem as the center of the world in his own um, in in his own uh, uh, Christian theological mi- uh, uh, mind's eye, and in fact, not only was it a geographical statement by Heinrich Bunting, it was it was a ge- it was a theological vision. And 500 years later, that vision, as the Torah tells us, you know, that vision. In fact, in his wood carving, if you look at that extraordinary cloverleaf map with Jerusalem anchoring the three continents as he saw them—Africa, Asia, and Europe—and then North America's way down there. Because <laughs> it hadn't been discovered, you know, it hadn't been discovered yet. But but that's actually where we are. Here we are sitting with representatives of those three continents, right, with Jerusalem in the middle. So it's rather extraordinary uh, uh, what is happening. And at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, we have really shifted our strategy uh, away from focusing primarily on Iran and Saudi Arabia and, and, and um, uh, radical Islamism to really forging... Uh, relationships as an indigenous people that we are in what is has become an Arab Muslim majority Middle East. We want to, we are positioning ourselves, in, and it looks like we're succeeding from the point of view of strategy, policy, um, uh, good neighborliness, good good membership, to be them, to, that we, we, we are hearing that they're beginning to understand that the Jewish people has been here in Eretz Israel, in the land of Israel for nearly 4,000 years as a people, 3,700 years, okay. Okay. And, that, and that our indigeneity is what gives us power and gives us honor and that honor we've told them we want to r- return to them and we, we are the custodians of Jerusalem on behalf of the three great monotheistic religions. That's our positioning for them and they, you know, one of the, our friends, Uh, from saudi arabia pulled me on the side he said you know what we really need to do i mean you you really have to put your seatbelt on for this one and he said we he said we what we have to do between our our think tank in saudi arabia and the jerusalem center for public affairs is to really come up with an initiative uh on jerusalem to understand that that the jews have deep deep roots in jerusalem he said because what the what the arab and muslim worlds are fed every day Propaganda that the Jews kidnapped Jerusalem, which which they have been told is an, is a Muslim city, like mm-hmm. Mecca and Medina. And he said just. And he said the, the fake. He said to me, the fake news is incredible in the Arab wow. Muslim world, and they want to correct it. So this is really a new Middle East.
0: It really is, especially because if it comes from within their own countries, in their own language, with people who have been here and realize that far from being a threat, being friends and you know and being close to Israel is an asset to every other country around. I mean, I was talking to one of the guys about empires. They're saying, like, we've never been an empire. We just want to be left alone. And we want to be left alone to help the world and to do good things. And when they come here, they really feel it. And like I said to one of them, flat out, you know, Israel's not a white country. Initially, there's, there's this idea that we were going to have carve out this little state, your little European state, which, okay, was in the Middle East, but it was really going to be a European state. And it turns out, and I'm saying this with a really heavy heart, that the Western Europe has betrayed us. The West and Europe are not our friends to a great degree, and we we are in the Middle East, and we are Middle Easterners, and we are the indigenous people here. And and to be able to forge these ties. Uh, look, the bad guys are the bad guys. We're not going to stop Iran here today. But what you're doing and to be able to forge these ties on a people-to-people level, and for them to come here and see the recycling plant, and go to the Volcani Institute where they're doing all kinds of agricultural research in arid environments and in drought, and all dealing with palm trees and some of the diseases that are affecting certain trees. I mean, this affects their day-to-day. If they can go home and give their people, like you said, food security and, and some kind of future, that's huge. I mean, that's beyond everything.
1: You're absolutely right, Um, even in fact, everybody's realizing with iPhones, uh, you know, sitting here on the bus uh, from every country in Africa that's here, is that we we live in a world uh, that can be mobilized by an iPhone and a WhatsApp You know, and a Twitter at the at the at the click of a a forefinger, you know, and they realize that, and therefore, um, the the globalized world in which we live uh, for them requires greater security across the board in their own countries, and they see Israel as an enabler of their own security because they see a world in major disorder. They see China essentially buying them, uh, uh, engaging in what we call financial terrorism, not uh, not by not just by financing bad actors, but by being a bad financial actor itself, by lending these countries money that they can't pay back, and then China ends up turning that debt into equity and owning key national security assets like ports, right, and infrastructure. Holding them
0: hostage. Oh, great they,
1: absolutely, holding them hostage to their own real estate. They realize that Israel is the only... Um, you know, punches way above its weight and can help them secure their own sovereignty. That's why they're turning to Israel. They realize the Jews are the the, the state of Israel is a status quo power. It's not a power that wishes to expand. In fact, it's the only power uh, in the Middle East that has willfully contracted for the cause of for the cause of for the hope of, of peace. Which, in some senses, as you as we all know on this phone call uh, mm-hmm. and podcast, has backfired. Mm-hmm. But Israel did it with the with the greatest of intentions, with a Western sense of peace in mind. Uh, that doesn't really work in the Middle East, but on the other end, Israel is a tough little country, and they know, and they know that we have solutions. We're coming now ba- back from the waste, uh, from the wastewater recycling plant. We were at, uh, we were at a, um, a We were at Balkani this morning talking about agri-tech and agricultural entrepreneurship, and, and everybody's waiting online to do partnerships with the yes. Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs and Volcani uh, in order to bring this agricultural technology, business profitability, better efficiency. And to make the farmer uh, the what he or she should be, which is the most celebrated uh, person in in this, you know, Mm -hmm. in a continent that lives on agriculture. Mm
0: Yeah, I was talking to one of the guys. He's a farmer. He's also affiliated. He's got a government position. He was talking to me. He loves farming, and he comes here, and he sees how the Israelis love farming as well. I mean, One of the things that I'm hearing from every conversation I'm having is how blown away they are by the people here, by the inventiveness, by the creativity. I mean, it's clear that Israel has no natural assets, really, except for our people and what we've been able to do here, and that's what that's what they want to learn from, that we have this passion to not just carve out a safe place for ourselves, but a place that can really be seen as an example to the world of what you can do when you have really nothing except for your people, and it's more than just survival. It's it's also it's also thriving. Um, any surprises, without giving any names, like any interesting conversations that you have, or any surprises that you had um, when the people actually got here, because meeting people face to face is always different than you know before that.
1: It was very friendly from the outset. There was no ice breaking. There was no tensions. It was, I think, there was a sense of relief that Muslim and Christian uh, countries in Africa could meet one another in Jerusalem because it, it, it really took away any of the tensions that might occur you know, when there's a territory issue involved within Africa. So they all meet in Jerusalem, which was very special for all of them. For many of our African friends, it was the first time ever in Jerusalem. And uh, these are both Muslim and Christian majority uh, African countries. And I can tell you, the former ambassador of Somalia to the United Nations came up to me and he said, uh, you know, I've been tweeting all night about being in Jerusalem and where there's a great debate going on right now in Somalia about why I'm here and should I be here and, okay. and there is a there is especially with this um, new uh, ad- administration in Somalia there is uh, I understood from him a great desire to normalize relationships with, with relations with Israel uh, and this is kind of a scoop for the podcast because, um, the, you know, this is something that, that I heard myself and this is the kind of uh, influence that the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs can have as a proactive diplomacy, uh, d- doing proactive diplomacy for strategic partnerships. That's our positioning, is to be the go-to address um, in, in from Jerusalem for... Uh, Middle Eastern uh, countries and Africa, and, and you're and not Indonesia government
0: too. affiliated.
1: I'm not government affiliated. We're totally independent, and that's exactly what attracts these people: is they have coverage, they have coverage, and they, there's deniability if they need it. On the other hand, we've heard from a number of different representatives on this trip that they want to bring us to their countries and to their governments once we have these shared papers, these shared research and policy papers. So it's, it's, and the more you tell them, no, 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 we're completely independent. We're not attached to the government. They're, they're convinced that you're absolutely connected to the government. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we need we need partners we really need partners now because the issue is going to be for us you know as we open a media center in Arabic uh, for the Middle East to be the only really good source of information on the Jewish and democratic state on the Jewish people and and Jerusalem um, to the Arab world so it's going to be uh, very very important we need we need help we need supporters we need partners.
0: Uh, this is a direct outgrowth of the Abraham Accords?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Abraham Accords, uh, as a matter of fact, we have a um, uh, attorney Jason Greenblatt is a fellow of the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs and he was President Trump's um, representative to the Gulf States um, and the uh, and the Abraham Accord process. And, um, you know, he's also, uh, Jason is also a wonderful uh, resource, authority, and relationship person uh, of the Middle <laughs> East. And, and many of our guests were were uh, I would say uh, happily, they were they were happily surprised when they saw that Jason was here. They had heard about him, and they know what it did for the region. Um, and while in the West, you know, the West is has been the Western diplomatic discourse, the public discourse has been somewhat uh, appropriated by what I call. Palestinianism, which is the sense that if you if you don't do what former Secretary of State Kerry said, which is, you know, you've got to solve the Palestinian issue before any other peace, um, uh, any peace possibility, or any peace pathway with any other country is possible, which was proved wrong, you know, four times in a row within two months, um, uh, then nothing's going to happen. Well, we know that's absolutely not the case and, the, and we know also even though that Saudi Arabia has for the moment returned to diplomatic relations with Iran as a defensive move and as a move of of, uh, profound criticism of the United of U.S. policy of the Biden administration, um, uh, that that these our friends have been telling us from the Gulf, it does not affect the way the Gulf uh, relates to Israel, thinks about Israel, sees Israel. So that's the good news. I mean, the rougher news is that we we really have to get moving on these shared policy initiatives in order to fill uh, to fill the space, if you will, that the Abraham Accords had created but had not been filled, other than with great transaction. We've done Israel has done almost three billion dollars of uh, of business with the UAE since the Abraham Accords signing in September 2020. But there's so much more that needs to be done in order to affect the people of the UAE. The people of Morocco, the people of Bahrain, they have to feel the benefits of peace, and that that comes from atta- from um, addressing and and attacking really national problems like food insecurity. That's when the public is going to say, you know what, Israel's really helping us. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know I mean we don't have relations yet officially with Saudi Arabia, even though there is someone here from there, but they're letting us use their airspace, which is huge, to fly to India and to fly to places south. So, you know, lat lat as they say in Hebrew, little little by little. And I was I mean I was I was listening, you were talking to somebody about Boko Haram, about some of their local terror.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, in, in fact there was a in fascinating discussion by two Africans. I led a, a panel on um, insurgencies, counter terrorism and counterterrorism and radicalism. Uh, in on the African continent, um, as well as in the middle, as well as in the Middle East, and we had, you know, we we had uh, a, a lovely uh, uh, senior journalist from Bahrain, and we had uh, a senior uh, policy, a senior policy person from uh, Nigeria, another one from Namibia, who was an expert in in, in on all of Africa. And the two Africans, the, the the policy person from Nigeria, was unaware the level to the degree to which Hezbollah and its and its you know and its mother, uh,
0: she arm.
1: Yeah, the Shia arm of, it, of Iran, the Iranian regime uh, were, were had essentially nested in northern Nigeria where there are 5 million Shiites that have been for the last 10-12 years uh, very vulnerable to uh, radical Shiite and Iranian regime IRGC influence and terrorism recruiting. So they had this intense discussion on our stage about how serious the Hezbollah threat had become. And and you know our listeners may know that the recent series of Terror attacks, especially the one up in the north, in which in which a Hezbollah operative put a collapsible ladder and climbed over the Israeli security security technology fence. Um, up in the north, and then laid a huge IED, this uh, incendiary device that killed so many American soldiers in Iraq. Laid uh, there, th- these were planted by the Iranian regime against against American forces. It's the same thing that happened in northern Israel. So a lot of the roads to terror lead back to Tehran and the IRGC. And we all had that in common. In this as, as cr- extraordinary as it is, um, people were not particularly positive. And we have an Iran, arra- we have an Iranian expat here too. Is a Scholar working in the United States, so the Iranians, the UAE, the Bahrainians, our security people were all in the same panel, all saying the same thing about Hezbollah and Iran, which is very, very important: is to have that you know, united position against a common enemy in public. Mm-hmm. You know, saying, uh,
0: some of the participants were telling me what a great opportunity this was for them to meet each other. Like you just said, it wasn't just coming here and participating in this conference, and I want to hear a little bit more about some of the other panels, but it was an opportunity for people who live in neighboring countries who have a lot of the same issues but didn't know each other. And here they are meeting in Jerusalem, a Christian and a Muslim, meeting under the auspices of, a, of an organization based in Jewish Jerusalem. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. In fact, just to, put a cherry, just to put the cherry on the whipped cream on this point, mm <laughs> Uh, we had lunch. We just had lunch at the uh, at the reclamation plant, and none other than Pastor uh, Dumasani Washington, who's the, the chairman, the founding chairman of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, an, Amer- an African-American organization. He comes to the conference in order to invite our African and Arab friends to worship at the Western Wall exactly. tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'm perfect. like, you can't make this up. You can't make this up, right?
0: <laughs> I heard him give that talk. I was like, this is amazing. You know, because some of the news comes out and you just get so depressed and you think, what is going on with humanity? The world is spinning out of control. And then you come to something like this and you meet people and you realize there are a lot of good people out there. They're just not the ones you hear from. And if you can connect them to each other, maybe we really all can punch above our weight and save this place from some of the more nefarious types who, you know, just want to use mankind for their own needs. But what were some of the other panels? Because you had an entire conference yesterday. So what were some of the interesting panels and like who, you know, who was there that came from, you know, from some other Israeli institutes or even some government officials,
1: we did. We had five panels yesterday uh, at the Casia Hotel in Jerusalem, uh, and we we had a, a panel led by Deputy Jerusalem Mayor Flora Hassan, is a wonderful authority on everything uh, Jerusalem and Israel, and a great communicator. She did a, a fabulous job moderating a panel on the Abraham Accords. Where have we come? Where are we now? Where are we going? Uh, which is very very important because we move from sort of transactional relationships mm-hmm. there to these kind of uh, larger policy, national policy issues. Then we had um, a panel on the Abraham, the spirit of Abraham into Africa. How, how, how do we begin to think about Bringing the Abraham Accords concept into Africa, which apparently is is working from the from the last day of being here with our African twenty African uh, uh, friends, uh, and then we uh, then we had the third panel, of course, on national security, counterterrorism, uh, counter radicalization, and then in the afternoon we had the two specific policy panels. How do you implement um, uh, policies of uh, of of uh, you know uh, water security, food security? How do you actually do that? Um, Uh, Specifically, so we had experts on policy implementation, including Emily Winkler, who is really one of the great. Uh, it, authorities, as well as Danielle <coughs> Abraham uh, Volcani, two great authorities on on agri and water and food security, so they came to the to the hotel in order to to have the, those discussions. And Tzachia uh, Negbi also stopped in, the director of our national of Israel's National Security Council, very very close to the Prime Minister, uh, and he gave a a, a speech about where, what our nationals that, in fact, Israel's national security is very much also based on uh, being able to assist neighbors in food and water security. So we sort of hit it on the head um, if the director of national security, a uh, member of Knesset Agnevi, right. is, is agreeing with you. So we were very, very pleased about that. And all in all, it is an historic moment. Uh, you know, while it, it just goes to show, as both of us have been journalists, I was a journalist for a number of years at Channel 1, the English service, and unfortunately the news prefers um, bad news yeah. over good news. Because if
0: it bleeds, it leads. If
1: it bleeds, it leads and and here we were making history in the, in and you know minus 4 the fl- minus 4 floor of this hotel in Jerusalem in an unprecedented gathering of Arab African states in Israel and and we could barely get western uh, media outlets to cover it because everyone is out in the streets of Tel Aviv in Jerusalem by the Knesset covering the demonstrations
0: right well that's why I figured I could do my little bit and have you on the podcast because I think that this was really extraordinary much bigger than people think it wasn't just a little conference at all I hope that you you do this consistently. and uh, But the JCPA is now going through a new name change. Are you kind of re- well, reforming we, yourselves?
1: We, we will be. You'll be hearing about it shortly because we really are a, a center for international relations more than we, we, we started 50 years ago as the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. And we were really at that time the public affairs institute of the Jewish people living in the diaspora with Jerusalem at its a, as its capital, as, as you were, of, the world, of world jury. Now we've moved much more into an international paradigm uh, and as we say, we are proactive diplomacy for strategic partnerships uh, across the Middle east and, and and in the west too we want to connect we want to merge our 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 Jewish friends, our Christian friends in the West with the amazing developments in the East, in the Middle East, would we'll say, in the Middle East of Africa. Uh, so that's where we're, we're looking. We, 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 we see ourselves now really as the go-to address. It's what our neighbors, it's what our friends here in the back of the bus, in this in the center of us, in the front of the bus next to us are saying, the go-to address uh, for... You know, for relations between Israel, Middle Eastern, African countries, and, and bringing in our North American and our European friends uh, in order to... For
0: their own good. For their it's own not that you need them. They need us.
1: I think so. Well, I think we all need one another. Um, but I do think that the West, I think the West is a little bit behind. They're behind the wave. They're not, they're not yet getting uh, that Israel and Jewish people are an indigenous part of, uh, of the Middle East. And, um, and I think Israel has to start behaving that way, too. We have yeah. to start... Uh, holding, our
0: heads, holding our heads up a little absolutely. higher. So speaking of address, if someone listening to the podcast wants to find out what JCP is doing, maybe wants to invite some of you to their country or to meet with some officials quietly, not so quietly, whatever it is, how would they go about doing that?
1: Well, please, please come to our website at jcpa.org. Or email me directly at at, at diker d i k e r at j c p a dot O-R-G, and we'll get right back to you. We need we do need partners. We need financial partners and sponsors, and we need um, uh, support. We were happy to give talks, as you know. In fact, Khaled Abu Toame yeah. is uh, perhaps uh, the greatest um, um, Israeli Arab uh, Muslim analyst of the Arab. Uh, middle of the arab east as well as the palestinians is with us and uh so we're we're positioned of of jews and arabs both patriots of israel all um Mm -hmm. leading leading this uh this new charge if you will uh in in, you know in in the region or maybe perhaps it's not a charge but it's anchoring the the middle east from jerusalem and he's very much a partner in that so we're really uniquely positioned
0: amazing and I, I do believe that the silent majority, because they're not always represented in a way that shows that their country to the best uh, side, is really either ignorant or with us, if they understood what was really happening here. And the potential here is absolutely huge.
1: It absolutely is. In fact, one, one just one short point about the Israeli-Arab uh, relationship. They, the conversation in the Israeli-Arab community is it is at a critical moment. There's both a very extremist, radical um, conversation going on beginning with the northern islamic movement as you and i go with uh, is sheikh right salah who is an affiliate of hamas uh, and responsible for right you know terrible riots in 2000 and then and, and, and more recently also with the, the hamas war in 2021 and igniting a number of palestinian cities there were only three or four thousand israeli arabs that were involved in those but there's another conversation Eve, going on which is a conversation about integration not separation and that's what halid has has educated us to understand and too, is and I've heard it also from my other friend Ahmed Zawabi from the north, and and uh, as well as um, uh, Yosef Haddad, uh, who many people know from his fantastic Twitter, and he's also working with us at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs as is as is his longtime partner Emily Schrader, um, uh, as well as and other we have other Druze friends uh, working as well from the north with us. There is this is a moment for integration and a moment of there are there are many great patriots of Israel in the Israeli Arab. Community and the Druze community for sure, and the Christian um, Israeli Arab community for sure, as Yosef Haddad represents. Mm-hmm. But what Yosef, um, when Yosef took uh, my wife Afira and me to Auschwitz as the only Jewish couple in an all Arab, in an all Arab delegation to Auschwitz, which changed my life. It absolutely changed my life. Changed my life. Um,
0: in what sense, the Auschwitz being yeah. there as a Jew Just, sense, yeah, or the, being there yeah, the, yeah. with 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 Israeli Muslims?
1: Be, being a minor, being a minority as a Jew for three days in one of the in the most traumatic moment in in modern Jewish history, with. Uh, Israeli Arab Muslims and Christians who could not have been more thoughtful, sensitive, kind, understanding, and they came up to us at Auschwitz and said, "Now we know why you you you've got to have a very strong Jewish state." And you know, yeah,
0: we're that, not paranoid like for no reason.
1: Yeah, that's right. And they said, "You know, sometimes it's really very good to be paranoid." And they said, and and they, I tell you, um, Eve is. You know, I don't I don't come from the Labour Party. I don't come from left of Labour. I come quite a bit to the right of that, as you know. But I must say that as a politically conservative person and a right-wing Israeli, I, I was blown away by the response of and the reaction of my Israeli Arab compatriots, and it, it has made us dedicate ourselves as much as possible, without being naive and without being, you know, fantasizing about it, to to try to create as much um, strong friendship-based, loyalty-based, uh, mutually uh, uh, a base of mutual honor and understanding between Israeli Arabs and Israeli Jews, because we do have we do have a common uh, framework in order to do that it's not going to work all the time but there is a conversation a serious conversation going on now in the Israeli Arab community about integration about uh, really wanting to be more Israeli um, than than anything else and, and unfortunately it's many in the in the more liberal progressive West that start that call Israeli Arabs Palestinian citizens of Israel well, that's not how most of them refer to themselves so once again it's what Professor Bernard Lewis a great Teacher of all of ours uh, used to call mirroring, where Western uh, Western people think that everyone looks and thinks and, and, and considers the world the way the way the West does, yeah. which is simply not the case. So our ongoing education of the Middle East, whether it's rejuvenation, it really is rejuvenation. I mean, it's not only the name of your podcast; that is what is happening in, between Israel, its its Arab um, its Arab partners, its African its African partners, and it's very exciting to be here at this <laughs> moment. Um, You know, we have a lot of obstacles, we also have a lot of opportunity.
0: And I think we hopefully, hopefully in the Arab community, they'll reach some kind of tipping point where they're not afraid anymore. You know, they're not afraid to speak out that they care about Israel because there is that fear within their communities that they will be punished or worse if they look like they're pro-Israel. And internally within their communities, if they can reach that tipping point and they can come out and say so, and then there's more and more that will come out and say so, then hopefully there'll be a groundswell. But it has to start somewhere. And what you guys have been doing the last few days is a phenomenal place to start. So I needed this today. After the last couple of days of insanity in Israel, and thinking like, oh, my God, what are we heading to martial law? What on earth is happening? Every 15 minutes something was changing. I needed today. I really did. So thank you for restoring my faith in, in humankind and in the goodness and, and the rightness of what we're doing here. And uh, sometimes when you are seen from the outside, you realize how amazing you really are. I mean, it took me having conversations with African Muslims and Christians today who are just in awe of Israel to say, yeah, wow, we really have built something great here. It's fragile, and we have to take care of it. But this is really special, and they appreciated it, and I appreciated it anew through their eyes.
1: It's actually, it's actually true. In fact, uh, I don't think I've ever had as much wine over dinner the last two nights <laughs> as I have with my, with, with some of my um, a- Arab and African Muslim friends. <laughs> we, it has been one of the greatest surprises. Amazing. Is there, there, is there, is the across-the-board appreciation for Golan Heights winery wine uh, without? You know, and I'm who on, knew? I, who knew? And I, I'm not under, I'm not on, I'm not on contract with, <laughs> with Golan, but it really was a story. That Twenty-three people finished ten bottles of wine last night, and how is okay. that possible? Next
0: your wines from the Shomron. How about that?
1: Wines from the Shomron, actually matter yes. by wines are also great, yes. and uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Israel is a wonderful wine country, and and, and it's. Uh, I hope the country. We, we believe the country will come down. It's a real moment of uh, of tension. It's a moment of um, uh, where the fabric of our society is being tested. But I think we'll. We've gotten over. Uh, we got over Pharaoh. We've gotten over uh, mm-hmm. uh, just as bad. It's uh, the
0: internal dissension that's always the most hurtful. Yeah. And, but we will, we've will we gotten over it before, yeah. and we will do it again. But most Israelis deeply care about this country. Whether you were thinking one way or the other, it came out of a love for the country and a worry that the country was going in the wrong direction. So hopefully that will all calm down now, and, uh, and we'll have time for the good things and for Passover coming next week, which is always new beginnings.
1: One of the things that our, that our Arab and African friends did say, none of them were concerned at all, even when uh, Dr. Akhil Leiter, my dear friend and, and director general of our Jerusalem, Center for public Affairs said uh, from the podium folks I've got some bad news and some good news mm. the bad news is that the airport is closed right yeah. now the good news the good news is that um, that none of the flights are leaving to anywhere anyway so <laughs> so, so everybody everyone laughed and they it didn't seem to it didn't seem to disturb anybody and in fact what they were all saying was and and many of them don't come most of them don't come from democratic countries mm. they said you know what we noticed that the, the thriving democracies oh that people goodness. were people were yelling and screaming and processing and demonstrating from both sides, from the left and from the right, but that you were that your uh, that your security forces and your government allowed that to take place. They allowed people mm-hmm. to yell their minds. And he said that's a wonderful. They said that's it's a wonderful expression of liberal democracy. No one got hurt, uh, God right. forbid. God and, and even forbid. worse, but right. then and that you know you had a hundred yes. over a hundred thousand people. We don't know exact number, but over hundred thousand people. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Pro reform, and then you had a counter demonstration. But people were demonstrating according to the <laughs> principles of liberal democracy, and they really appreciated that aspect and reminded us of that.
0: Right, exactly. Reminded us of that because they come from countries where you can't necessarily speak your mind. So uh, it's it's really, like I said, it's very important to sometimes see yourself from the outside to appreciate what you have. Okay, Dan Diker, thank you so much, and uh, really again, thank you for making me a part of this. I've some people have already come up and say, I want to bring my wife back. Can you take us around Jerusalem? We want to see the holy sites. I said I couldn't be more delighted. So to be continued. To be continued. To be continued. Thank you. Thank you. you. All right, everybody. That's it for Rejuvenation Uh, today. Thanks to Ben and thanks to Tabitha. Not sure if I'm putting out a show next week since it will be the eve of Passover and I've got a few things to do. I will try. But if not, I'll catch you in a couple weeks. Take care, everybody. And goodbye for now.